0: Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here, because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Grigas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 24 of Poker All the Games, and I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast coast of the United States, along with co-host Martin Smith, who is joining me from Malta. Not only do Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, but we also enjoy beers. So once again, we'll be starting off today's show with a beer review. I'll be reviewing a beer from the U.S. and Martin will review one from Europe. And over the course of this year, I'm excited to learn about some beers I've never tried, as well as some poker variants that I've never played. Since there's been a dusting of snow the past couple of mornings in the northeast of the U.S., I'm pouring a cold snap from Sam Adams Brewing Company. This is a white ale coming in at 5.3% ABV. And a white ale simply means it's similar to a wheat beer, except for the use of unmalted wheat in a white ale versus malted wheat in a wheat beer. And further explanation, just unmalted wheat is just grain that has not yet been germinated. So in addition to that, white ales also tend to have additional spiciness, which I'll get into Um as I take a taste here, so first let's have a smell. Ah, nice. I'm getting a, a bready smell along with a touch of orange and some coriander. Let's have a look. This beer pours a sunshine yellow with moderate haziness, and that's from the uh, the unmalted wheat and a nice fluffy head of foam, typical of a of a hefeweizen or wheat beer. And now for the best part, let's have a taste. I'm getting that breadiness that I detected in the nose, as well as the orange peel, some of the coriander spice. This beer has lively carbonation and a nice light body. Sam Adams Cold Snap White Ale is definitely an easy drinker. Hmm. All right, Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today?
1: I'm bringing an IPA, a citrus IPA called Sylvia from a local brewery here in Malta called uh, Lord Chambray which they've done apparently in collaboration this particular beer in collaboration with a UK brewery called Magic Rock Brewing. Um, Lord Chambray does a number of year-round beers and also some seasonal beers for which they use local ingredients locally grown ingredients in Malta and then occasionally some specials as well. I think In this case, this is one where they used local oranges and lemons um, to make this pale ale. Um, I've just poured it out. It's a nice kind of slightly opaque yellow colour. I can smell the citrus fruits in the smell and uh, it's 5.6% alcohol. I'll, I'll now give it a taste. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I can I can certainly taste the IPA flavour, but also very good uh flavours of the citrus fruits. Definitely uh goes along with what it says on the label as a citrus pale ale. Um Lord Chambray also on the side of the bottle. Let's have a look at that. They they give a kind of a, a guide for the uh consumer. The, the, the show kind of a spectrum of, of where this beer fits along in three different measures. And it's exactly halfway in every one of the measures. So it's halfway between pale and dark, halfway between sweet and bitter, halfway between light and strong. Yeah. Cheers, Sean.
0: Salute, Martin. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to branch into other variations of poker. Whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager, our goal is to define the rules, the deal, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode will be covering stud Studmaha, which is a mix of Stud, and which I covered in Episode 6, and Omaha, which was way back in episode two. Martin, why don't you walk us through this game of Studmaha?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I first played this game back in uh, January 2019 at a mixed games festival at the Imperium Room in Milan. And it was taught to me by by a, a friend of mine called Stefano Lagorio, who has actually claimed uh responsibility for inventing this game. I enjoy the game. It's a very good game and, and it's, it's one where we've again we've brought you back to Malta in our mixed game, games group we play it quite often. And when new players join us uh, and they've played this game very often we get positive feedback. It's, it's popular with players. So let's go into the uh, let's get into the, the play of the game. It's it's played as a fixed limit game. Now it can be played up to nine players. And as you say, it's a mixture of stud and Omaha, but depending on how many players are dealt into the hand, it'll either be a five card, six card, or seven card stud variant. If there are six players or less, we'll play seven card stud. Seven players will play six card stud. And eight or nine players will play five card stud. It starts off with every player placing an ante. And I know back in episode six, when you discussed seven-card stud, you talked about antis, bring-in bets and complete bets. And uh, basically, this game, we use the same kind of betting structure with an ante, a bring-in and a complete bet. So after everyone's placed an ante, the dealer will then pitch some cards. So if we're playing five-card stud, each player will get one card face down and one card face up. If we're playing six card stud, it'll be two face down and one face up. If we're playing seven card stud and seven card stud, players will find this a bit confusing. It's three cards down and one face up. Once all those cards are pitched to the players, there'll be a round of betting which starts with a bring-in from the lowest card showing. Then after the rounded betting, each player then is, well, the big dealer will first burn a card, give each player another face-up card. That's the players that are still in their hand. And before anything else happens, the dealer will also put out three cards in the middle. These are community cards or a flop. There's then another round of betting, and it's still the small size of betting. Even though 7 card stud players will realise we've now got five players. and On 5th Street, usually it's now the big big round of betting. In this game, we're only having four rounds of betting, so um when the flop and the fifth card, if you're playing seven card stud, are out, it's now still the small bets after that round of betting, everyone gets another up card, and we see a turn card on the community on the board another community card There's now another round of betting, oh by the way, the uh second, third and fourth round of betting starts off with the highest stud hand showing making the first check or bet. Uh, So after that round of betting, that third round of betting, everyone then receives another down card and this will be confusing to five card stud players because when we're playing five card stud Maha, unlike the normal game of five card stud, the fifth card is dealt face down rather than face up. So everyone gets another face down card, and we now see a river. And after that, there's the last round of betting, which is, uh, again, the big size, followed by a showdown. Let's showdown this party split between the best stud hand. So those are the individual cards dealt to each player. The best five-card hand to each player takes that half of the pot. The other half of the pot goes to the best Omaha hand. Two from the cards dealt to the player and three from the community cards. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's unusual for stud players to see three down and one face up if they used to play seven-card stud. For five-card stud players, it's unusual to see the last card face down. And I think we've invented six-card stud. Uh, I don't think I've heard of that one before. Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: Questions? I was going to mention that. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do you have any questions on the rules or the play before we go on to some strategy tips, Sean? Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me, let me just make sure I got this all straight first. There, there, mean there's a lot yeah, going go on ahead. here, of go course. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I was going to bring that up. You know, obviously I, I played five card stud and seven card stud, but never heard of this kind of six card stud. But it it makes sense. Um, trying to you know maximize the number of uh, players in the hand as well as uh, the number of cards to try to get as close to the uh, seven card stud um game as possible so so i get it, it makes sense and uh yeah you invented a new game on, on the way <laughs> six card stud <laughs> which <Yeah>. is great <laughs> so yeah just to kind of review and see if i got it and summarize for everyone so with the the minimum number of players uh so what's the minimum number of players where you end up with the seven card stud hand you said seven cards well, in front well of you. i
1: said, I, well, I said it was five players or less um, okay so I'm with sorry, five players sorry, six, or less... Sorry, six players or less. Six players okay. or less, because there are enough cows in the deck for everyone to stay to the river and not need any um, separate community card for the seven-card stud hands. So, yeah, six players or less, we get seven cards. Um, okay, so
0: in that case, seven cards dealt in front of each player with... Mm-hmm four you said it's still four up and three down uh just like a seven card a normal seven
1: card stud hand is that right not quite it's actually going to be four down and three up four down
0: that's right you did say the seven card stud players would be confused and there it is i am confused (laughs) (laughs) so three up (laughs) and four down plus a five card flop wow so that's a lot to keep track of and a lot of possibilities for hands i think uh some of that brain fuel that we, we've heard Phil Helmuth tout um, that he sponsors would be in order for this game. So, it, is it is it tough to get players to fold their hand because there's there's so much potential as the hand is is sort of being dealt here?
1: It certainly is, and this is one of the. Yeah, so let's. I guess this will get into the strategy.
0: Yeah, mean, so let's get into the strategy. Go ahead. Yep.
1: It, it is a game where a lot of players continuing the hand on the early streets. And I don't think there's anything hugely wrong with that because your hand isn't very well defined until at least um, you've seen a flop as well as your next up card. Um, That said, I would fold hands that are really uh, quite dead and, and not well connected. So if, for example, you're playing... Seven cards, stud mahar, and you get king, nine, five, two, with maybe the five, two of a suit. And you look around and there's a couple of people with an ace showing and some with the king showing. It's going to be hard for you to make a winning stud hand because so now you're playing for the Omaha, potentially, and it's really a bad starting hand for Omaha. So what you need to do is fold um, those hands that don't have much Equity because the cards that you need are dead or uh, potentially dominated, even if you're hit. Um, but really, any connected cards, any high cards, and actually looking at the um, different variants seven cards, six cards, five cards, stud mahar. With five cards, stud mahar, I would play much more tightly and try to go with high cards showing, almost like a limit hold'em them. Um, range of hands you want to play because this the seven card sorry the five card stud hand is quite often won by a high pair not very often won by a low pair um but if, when you go, go to the seven card stud end you 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 try to look for suited unconnected cards and as well as high card strength um but again as I say your hand's not very well defined until you've seen the flop. So even if you see um, some middle cards, so four cards between five and 10 in your hand, um, or even five and jack, and you don't see many aces out, there's always the potential that you pick up an ace high flush draw by picking up an ace later on, or a straight on the board, or a straight in your hand. There's a lot of options. Your hand isn't well defined. Um, And yeah, this is one of the reasons why it's quite a popular game. You do see a lot of people continuing in the hand after the uh, first, uh, uh, you know, on the first round of betting, you don't see much folding and even on the flop. Because quite often someone's got something on the flop or they're building something in in the stud hand. Um, But I would would say, especially in the seven-card stud game, um, you can be fairly loose as long as the cards you're looking for stay live. In other words, the the cards you're looking for are not appearing as up cards on somebody else's hand or in a a way that doesn't suit your hand on the flop. Uh, For example, if you have three to a flush, you don't get a fourth one to your flush and two cards appear on the flop that of your suit. Although you might have a flush draw on the flop, unless it's the A-side flush draw. You know, I mean, you, when you you know yourself, Sean, you said this, I think, in the, what was it, episode three when you covered Omaha? Uh,
0: episode, way back in episode two, I believe it was. Yeah. yeah,
1: actually, I know I'm thinking episode three, you talked about Big O. Big O is a five-card yes. game, and... If you've got the second nut flushing big O, you're quite often second best. The same thing applies here, unless you can see that the ace of the suit you're talking about is already dead and folded, which is un- which is rare. Um, so, yeah, with a seven-card stud game, you can be fairly loose. Um, late, in, late in the hand, when you get to the turn of the river and, and you see more up cards, it's really about hand-reading skills. Um and using the cards that you've seen, the cards that are everywhere, who's being aggressive, what they've got showing, whether whether it appears that they're going for Stud or Omaha, what your own strength is. You're going to have to make decisions at that point as to whether you're um, competing or whether you have equity against that person. But also then, if, if one person's being aggressive in the hand, what the other people have? Um if they're continuing, well, you've got to really make good reads. And that's one of the things I like about the game. I like to put my mind to that sort of uh, exercise, um, trying to put people on ranges of hands, identify whether whether they're going stud or Omaha, and whether, whether, it can, whether it's worth me continuing with my, I don't know, I might have two pairs in my stud hand. It might be nines and sixes. They might have nothing to do with the board if they're all playing Omaha, I'm probably I'm possibly locked in for half the pot. But if I make a bad read, I could be joining dead. So it's a really interesting game. Um, yeah,
0: there's a lot. It's interesting how much information is available. You know, you think of just thinking of the two separate games. Uh, and I'll just go with seven card stud for now since that's the most popular seven card stud and Omaha. I mean, in stud, we know there's a lot of up cards. Like you said, you have to pay attention, but w- now that you're playing both games together, there's so much more information than in a normal seven card stud game. And there's a tremendous amount of additional information versus an Omaha game, just because of the up cards, you know, seven card stud, you don't have this five, you know, three, four, mm-hmm. five cards, um community board which is additional information and in omaha you don't have the the stud up cards which gives you just i mean there's just a tremendous amount of information and like you mentioned it's the key is um re- recalling you know that information especially for hands that are folded and uh trying to remember what what was out there and i know you know our uh good m- good mixed game player out of vegas uh, elia lezra um is really good has the knack for that remembering the uh the up cards
1: yeah, I always really try to keep on top of that. I, I really, I really do. It's really important to know how, how live your hand is and how live your opponents' hands are as well.
0: Yeah,
1: it's as far as is concerned. I just, I just talked about having a very loose kind of strategy, and I don't know about the um, as the game evolves, that might change. At the moment, I don't feel like anybody's making uh, taking good lines to. Take advantage of me playing loose in the games that I play, Um, but if that changes over the months as I play more hands, you know I might need to might feel I need to tighten up. Um, But it's getting a lot of hands in in this game is difficult. We we play in our game when someone chooses the game we play an orbit in a hand until the next person chooses the game. So we might play for we played a home game the other day. We played for ten hours. We played one wow. more to studmahar, So we played eight hands of mahar amongst all the other games we played. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. how, how a statistically valid sample of, game, of hands in, uh, in this game? It's going to take a long time. So, as I say, at the moment, I feel like it, it is good to be loose in the early stages and then read the hands later on. I might change that in 12 months' time if if, if there's a significant number of hands involved and players start to take lines that make, that, that, that sort of um, take advantage of how I'm playing, you know. Yeah. I, I exploit my lines, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One, uh, one one question before we move on, I think that, I'm not sure if you mentioned this or, or not, but is there any way to sort of know which direction are people going? Like, can you look at sort of the board and the cards and make a determination if a player might be going for one, obviously we're always trying to scoop, but, um, but is it possible as you get experience with a game to know if a player, like you could kind of look and say, Hey, I think they're going for the stud hand or the Omaha hand, or is it, if they're going for the stud hand, it's kind of easy to make the Omaha hand then maybe.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it is, it's a good point. Actually. It's one that I meant to mention. Um, Sometimes the Omaha hand is absolutely smashed and you can see that on their board. So uh, really, unless you know you have a lock on the stud hand, you should get out of the way at that point. And I I did see a hand um, during Robbie Sosinski's last Mixed Games Festival in Malta. Someone had had an obvious uh, straight flush um, on the turn because are up cards and three of the board cards gave them a straight flush. And they bet and I expect everyone to fold. One guy didn't fold. And he stayed in all the way to the river and managed to take the stud half of the pot with two pairs and it was eights up. And really it would have been very easy for the other person to have a, a better two pairs. So I, I, although he won half the pot, if, if I'd have been him I would have just folded my uh, weak two pairs. Um, oh I mean, let, let's put it this way. The, the the two cards that he used to make his straight flush were higher than the eight and were not dead in any way. You know, they'd not appeared in anybody else's up cards or on the board. So it would have been very easy for that person to have two pairs in his stud hand that beat the eights and sixes that the the, the, the caller had. Um, but as it happened, he did have one, one of them paired and it never improved in his stud hand. So it, it was split at the end, but essentially the, the other guy's just calling all the way, hoping to get his money back. Um, yeah,
0: I was going to say either either a stubborn player or somebody uh, just you know at a loss and try, trying to chase their loss maybe or something. Yeah,
1: I think this one I would put him down as a stubborn player. I don't remember him being stuck for too much, if if at all. Uh, but 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 yes, you're right. It, you you need to look at people's hands and, and take a decision about whether you feel they're going one way or another. If somebody, for example, is um, showing a fairly low card but is aggressive on the first street, maybe they've got a buried pair. Or the range also might include uh, three or four of a suit or connected cards. Um, So then you need to watch them, how they react to the flop and whether they continue to be aggressive and whether their up cards have anything to do with the flop you have to bear in mind, though, that the rook cards might have nothing to do with the flop, but they might have a buried pair that has given them the top set, perhaps. Um, yeah, so it, it's a really uh, important thing to make, to, to use hand-reading skills. Keep observant of who's been aggressive, who's calling along, whether the people that are calling along are likely to be the sort of player to slow play something strong. Um, And if they are, well, again, they could be slow playing a stud hand or an Omo hand. So it's all about being observant, which makes it a really good poker game, in my opinion. You're talking about a game game where you can get to the showdown multi-way frequently, and you've got to make good decisions about whether you, the pot, the half of the pot you're going for is good, and actually, as you, as you just alluded to, it's important in split pot games to try to go for the scoop. Um, I, I see you see, you do see quite often, and maybe it's because of a small sample size of hands I have a fairly weak hand both ways scooping. Um, for example. I remember scooping a pot where I felt like somebody must have a better Omaha hand, and I had two pairs, and I did scoop. I also had two pairs on a board, but the board was included a four straight, you know, something like seven, six, five, four. Uh, but nobody had the straight. Nobody had the straight in the Omaha hand. Wow. So yeah. I, yeah, which I, is I,
0: unusual in it. In a normal PLO game, you know, pot limit Omaha, if if there's those cards are on board, somebody has likely got a straight, and there's potentially two people with a straight—one with the, the baby end and one with the high end. You know, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's unusual.
1: In that specific hand, somebody with an eight showing had been betting, but he'd been betting just because he was representing the straight. He didn't have the straight, but I was being, I was calling because I felt like I had his stud hand beaten, and I ended up scooping because my two pairs. Beat his total bluff on the Omaha hand,
0: yeah, which is great because a lot of people are like, "Oh, in these fixed limit games, how do you bluff?" Well, here you go. Here, here's yeah, here's some yeah. some some possibilities of how you can potentially bluff, and there's a lot, even in seven card stud. Right? There's, there's a, there's, you know, it, it's possible. You just got to pick your spots.
1: It's true. It's true. Good. Yeah, All right. Excellent. Yeah, as I say, it's a, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a game that gets a lot of positive feedback. Um, might seem I don't know how, how people will feel listening to this that have never played it. Might seem complicated. It isn't. You're playing Stud you're playing Omaha. Most of the people that are interested in mixed games have played both these games. Um, and it, it yeah, it, it gets you, it gets your mind working. It gets you thinking about what everybody else is playing. You really have to look for the patterns. Who's, who's aggressive? Who's not? Who's picking up cards that look like they might have the stud hand? Who's picking up cards that look like they're connecting with the board? It's it's really um, it's really a fun fun game to play, but as as, yeah, as, I've, as, as we've already as talked about, it's not one to really to go for big big bluffs because people tend to stick around.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we uh, it's why we love these games, you and I and uh, the, yeah. those of us who are in this community and why we're hoping to bring more people in. It's not there's a lot of thought involved and it's not robotic at all, you know, because there's there's, there's a lot to there's a lot to pay attention to. And speaking of confusing, yeah, we we might have to write um, these rules out on one of our sub stacks here just to, uh, you know, to, to make sure people That's got the idea. rules right. Because it does get complicated depending on the number of players. Um, it gets a little a little, uh, kind of convoluted there. So we might have to just write that out to help, help people get started. For sure. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some, uh, mixed game news. I did uh, on the last episode on episode 23, I mentioned I would, uh, hop on and, and check, uh, poker stars. So I did get on poker stars, New Jersey to check out the merged player pools between new jersey and michigan um which started on january 1st of this year 2023 and honestly i didn't notice a difference as far as mixed games having bigger prize pools or a larger number of players as okay. compared to um before the merge but uh i'll keep an eye out on that i guess i'm not surprised um <laughs> honestly yeah. but uh i did promise i would check it out and i did um
1: okay. so that's all it? i
0: really have for the for here yeah go ahead martin sorry
1: so I was going to ask you if, you if you play, but we're going to come on to that soon, I guess. So don't answer that question yep.
0: yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we'll get to that. Do you have any mixed game news um, from Europe uh, before we get to our uh, recent play?
1: Nothing, actually, ex- except for the one thing. We, we talked about Mason Pye last last episode, and we're recording this during the PSPC main event in Bahama. And Mason, I saw has made day three. I've not seen any further updates since then, but good luck to Mason. Even though it's a two-card game, we, we wish you all the best and uh, it would be great if you could take that one down. I know that he, he actually played a pot on day two for the chip lead, but he lost that pot. But uh, he went into day three with a healthy stack. So, so uh, we're right behind you again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like you said, even though it's a two card game, I think, um, you know, obviously we're going to support him because he's a mixed games ambassador. But also, you know, on along those lines, if he if he does win a lot of money, he can, you know, hopefully he puts that money towards his mixed game ambassadorship and, you know, kind of give some more funding to uh, to sort of push mixed games. So, yeah. So we'll root him on uh, doubly. So. Yeah, for
1: sure. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that'd be good.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's go over some upcoming mixed games uh, events in the U S we have upcoming uh, Robbie Straczynski's mixed games festival from March 19th through the 23rd. That's a Sunday through Thursday going to be held at resorts world in Las Vegas. And this is great um, because it's a lot of it's low stakes dealers choice cash games. And because it's low stakes, it's perfect for anybody looking to try their hand at mixed games without having to, you know, destroy your bankroll or come with, uh, come with a large bankroll, and I, I can't remember, Mark. Maybe you can chime in here real quick before I continue with these events. What the usual um, limits are there at uh, Robbie's uh, Mixed Games Festival in Vegas?
1: Yes, there were four eight. The limits were four eight, and uh, a, a lot of a lot of fun. Some some great games. I, I learned some new games there. It's uh, good.
0: Yeah, so four mm-hmm. eight, not not bad at all. If you if you're not familiar with these games and you want to go and just and give it a try, and Rob, obviously Robbie Robbie, we talk about him a lot on this podcast. Great, a great person um, holds this sure. one with these wonderful festivals around, and a lot of times he'll have uh, some big name poker players show up, and uh, you know uh, if they wrote a book, there might be some book giveaways or some signatures yeah. or t shirts given away. So uh, I'd recommend it.
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, I, I played with. Uh... Dylan Lindy, who wrote Mastering Mixed Games, also Justin Saliba, Aline Jard, Norman Chad, uh Joey Ingram, and um Greg Raymer all played at the, uh, the the Robbie's Mixed Games Festival in June last year. So yeah, there's some big names and 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 generally all of them are a lot of fun to play with. Yeah,
0: excellent. All right. We also have uh going on in stateside here the win millions poker series coming up running from february 20th through march 19th in las vegas that featuring several mixed game tournaments including multiple horse tournaments and multiple omaha eight or better events and the buy-ins there are ranging from 400 to 1100 so not, not terrible um, to get in and give your give a. Uh, Try your hand at some mixed game tournaments. There's also some PLO events, but I know uh, some of those buy-ins for PLO are a bit bigger. And then um, I mentioned uh, episode 23, just real briefly again, the WSOP. They have a lot of mixed games at that coming up May 30th through July 18th. As soon as we have details on specifics for mixed games, we'll uh, we'll discuss those. And I'm anxiously awaiting the uh, World Series of Poker full schedule Um, in hopes of uh, my annual trip to uh, Las Vegas. What do you have for us uh, for uh, any upcoming mixed games events in uh, Europe, Martin?
1: Okay, well, first up is the festival series at Dusk Dusk Tilgon in Nottingham, England. That runs from 13th to 19th of February. There are various mixed games events on the schedule, including eight games, Fit and Special, Open Face Chinese, and Omaha. I know that's an affordable buying level. Um, again, I highly recommend this festival. I went to one of the stops in Bratislava autumn before last, or fall, sorry, before last, if you're in the US, you call it the fall. Um, I mean, I played a hand. A, a, the cash games at the side are amazing. I played a hand in a 2-2 Switzer special game, which was straddled and raised pre-flop and then four people got all in on the flop. So, it's and Special, it's the same as mahar. Four people got all in for over €230 Euros in a 2-2 game, one of whom drew five cards. So, the action is crazy, and that's, that's to be expected in Nottingham. So, uh, go along there. Um, they also have other side events, including tournaments for slots, sports betting, um, roulette and blackjack. So, it's a complete Gambler's Festival. Um, that brings great players to the poker tables, I have to say. Very good for the game all along. And then, well, I won't be going to Nottingham, but I will be going to Kings of Tallinn, which is held at the Olympic Car- Olympic Park Casino in Tallinn, Estonia. This event runs from 23rd of February to 5th of March, and again includes eight games, fit and special. Also, pot limit, deuce to seven, triple draw, and Soko. Oh, and Open Face Chinese as well. Um, I'm hoping the cash games are going to be very similar because a lot of the people that go to the the festival series I suspect are the same sort of people that go to Tallinn. I think people go to both of those events. A lot of the Scandinavian players from Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, um, and Estonia itself as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um... Looking beyond that, in April, I'm hoping something's going to come up in May, in Malta, alongside the Malta Poker Festival. What's this space for that? I need to get that confirmed, but I'm hoping there's something quite exciting coming along there. And then in May, the festival series, after it's stopping Nottingham, it's coming to Malta. So I'm looking forward to that one. Okay.
0: Excellent. Yeah, a lot, lot of mixed games, events, um, and hopefully we can uh, keep keep them going and get get more on the books. Yeah. Finally, let's talk about uh, our recent mixed gameplay. Um, so, I, I did have a chance to play another eight game on PokerStars Pennsylvania. So, you, earlier I mentioned I, I went logged into PokerStars New Jersey to check that merged player pool. But uh, this eight game I played on PokerStars Pennsylvania. And if you don't know by now, you'll learn I'm not a huge fan of online play. I most definitely prefer live play. And in the northeast of the U.S., while there is some seven card stud, there's hardly any opportunity to play. Games besides holding them in Omaha. Um, so when I do play online, I try to get make uh get the most bang for my buck, so to speak, and play an eight-game tournament. Anyway, I placed ninth, which is kind of funny because so this time I played eight-game, placed ninth out of 27 players. And um in episode 23. I mentioned I placed 4th out of 12 players, so both times I placed in the top 33%. So I guess there's <laughs> something to be said for consistency. <laughs> anyway, that's okay. that's kind of my mixed gameplay um, since the last episode. What, uh, what do you have for us, Martin?
1: Okay, well, uh, since episode 23, I've played a decent amount. Nothing spectacular to report. Um, online, I've made a bit of profit. Not a huge amount, but enough to buy a cases, a couple of cases of these of these beers that we're drinking, I think. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is important, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. As far as life's concerned, uh, we played a home game last week, uh, which I've already mentioned. Had a great time. Um, we started with seven players and four of them and the dealer left at 4am. We'd started at 6 And at that point I was exactly break-even. But the three of us that were left then, we played some Pineapple Open Face Chinese and the host, Jeremy Tan, ran pretty well. Left me 30 euros down and the other guy, he took he took 50 euros off him. So well done, Jeremy. We were playing 25 cents a point in that game. Um, I've also twice played the Saturday 8-game tournament at Portamato Casino, which is a weekly tournament, and twice took second place. The first week, the winner was Eirik Preston a friend of mine from Norway who lives in Malta. He's a great guy. Um So well done to Ivic. And then the second time was actually the day after the home game at Jeremy's house. Jeremy took the first prize, so I'm still looking for my first win in that tournament. I need to win that thing one day.
0: Well, thanks, Martin. The way your 2023 has been going so far this year seems like uh, one of these next upcoming episodes we're going to be hearing that you took down a title well if you want to learn more about mixed games martin and i have each written a book head over to amazon for my book poker all the games a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games there you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games and martin where, what is the title of your book and where can listeners find it?
1: My book, also available on Amazon, but only as an audio book at the moment. I'm working on a paperback version, hopefully for this spring to be released. It's called Pot Limits and Special Special, a European version of Dromaha. It starts at the basic level, describing how the game is dealt and the rules. It then goes through the full range of starting hands, how to play the flop, the draw, the turn, and the river... Various probabilities for completing both draw hands and no hands are given in parts of the book, in tables and in explanations. There's also a quiz section with decision points from a number of hands that I had played where you're offered different options. And this covers when you're drawing cards, which ones to discard, as well as what to do at the be- in the betting rounds.
0: Well, that's all for episode 24, Stud Mahaha Join us again in two weeks for episode 25, where we will discuss open-face Chinese poker. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, All the Games, and subscribe for free at pokerchannel.substack.com. And Martin, where can our listeners follow you?
1: Bye. Twitter handle is at Poker for Leisure. That's P-O-K-E-R number four L-E-I-S-U-R-E. Or Poker for Leisure if you're in the US. My Substack is not really going yet, but hopefully I'll get that done soon with the rules for Stutnaha perhaps being the most important one to get on there. Thank you.
0: Thanks to Ricky Snyder for Music and Sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast poker all the games so you never miss an episode until then may your hands be huge your cards fill both high and low and scoop as many pots as you can